Oh, that was a really weird answer. My cat like dealt all right with the with all the explosions. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Fireworks night. Which is, which is, yeah, it's always a relief because worry, it's a worry. I've only, I've only had her for a couple of fireworks nights, really. So it's a worry, uh, but she was okay. Do you know what was what really struck me? Thankfully, not a firework, but was the fact that whilst walking around uh, Parkland Oval, which is where I now stay in the south side of Glasgow, uh-huh. because there are so many big built-up buildings, the noise and the echo of the fireworks going off was ridiculously loud. Yep. Genuinely felt like I was under fire. I know they get they get pretty loud when you got tall buildings around. There was a, there was a few huge ones. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm sure whoever set them off had a great time. Uh, I I don't much care for them. I don't. I just don't really get it because okay, I get. I understand that displays were cancelled across the country and that's totally fine and people want to do their own version because they want to feel some sort of normality. I totally get that. Yeah. yeah but yeah. also, you're just spaffing your money into the sky. Like that, that's not what I'd do. It's not what I'd spend my money on. Genuinely, uh, one of the truest euphemisms because (laughs) you really are. And then it's over and you forget it. It's over after a few seconds. (laughs) You maybe even regret it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You get the instant regret. Uh, You had a nice, colorful display for a few seconds and then it's over. And you're just like, what? Why did I do that? (laughs) Why did I do that? Why did I invite all these people around to watch it? I know. So when you're a kid, it's real fun. It's really exciting. Yeah. The fireworks night is super cool. But I guess now that I'm old and boring, it's just it's just like eh, they're kind of all the same. Every explosion is kind of like the last one. They just maybe a different color, but it doesn't get any more impressive. Well, well, let let me uh, let me ask. Um, I see a lot of these posts every November fifth of people saying fireworks should be cancelled because of the the way that dogs and other pets react. What would you say to that? I would uh, I would say that more limited distribution of fireworks would be advisable. Okay. Uh, they're kind of easily accessible. I don't see the point in having them so easily accessible when they really do cause a lot of trouble. And um, they, they cause a lot of problems for people with uh, certain traumas. They cause a lot of troubles for every single animal that exists, both uh, domesticated and not. Um, so I think it makes sense to have this idea of, yeah, Put on big displays where everybody knows when they're going to happen and everybody can prepare and maybe limit the availability of them to people who will just set them off at right. any time. So people can't be prepared. People can't have their pets uh, safely uh, indoors. It's not just pets, by the way. It's it's people with yeah, yeah, yeah. people who have houses with roofs that are made of timber, it seems. There was two that caught fire in Motherwell last night. Oh, yeah. It's dangerous as well um, in... in, in like actual physical ways, and and you, if you got access to to them, people people use them as a form of weaponry, and it's hilarious when you're when you're young, but then it's really dangerous too. So it's like it's another one of those things where limiting a thing makes a lot of sense um, for a lot of reasons, and I wouldn't really argue against it. The other one is people who set off fireworks during the day, which does happen more often than you think. <laughs> I don't understand why. Yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. see it. They're just they're just doing it for the sound. And to be fair, when I was young and when, whenever I've seen fireworks displays, it is the noise that is the most impressive thing. It's that feeling when you actually feel the sound. That's the most impressive thing. The, the sparks and stuff. Yeah, sure, there's some good science went in there to make the sparks go all in the right place at the of right course. color and the, the right distance from the explosion. But it's just like the actual sound is the most impressive thing. But I still don't get daytime fireworks. I, I'm also not sure. I know we're we're putting off the inevitable discussion about the election here. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, this, is, this is more fun, though. <laughs> 
I'm also unconvinced that we're really missing out from the, I want to say, six figures that Glasgow City Council would have spent on an 18-minute firework display that was synchronised to 90s pop music. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if they can't afford to let me do my my food waste recycling, then I don't see how, how they can afford to put on a fireworks show. That doesn't actually generate income. Everybody just goes and stands someplace. Just generates noise and scared animals. <laughs> which is also what this show is all about. Yeah, I think when I was young, fireworks got ruined for me, not because I had a traumatic experience or something like that. Like, I, I all my trauma is unrelated to fireworks. Um, okay, good to know. But one time, my dad, bless him, um, genuinely, because he's he's a, he's he's just wonderful. Yes, bless he, him. He 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 bought he bought the biggest firework we could afford alongside <laughs> one of them variety packs and stuff. He bought a couple of big ones and he bought the biggest one we could get. Okay. And we went out in a field. It was we were at a grandparents' place where we always did the fireworks. Went out in a field. Uh, made sure all the cows were very far away, but they couldn't have possibly been far away enough for this one. Um, and he he lit it. He, let, he couldn't find the fuse. He struggled to find the fuse, which should have been indicator number one. Yeah. That you need the torch just to make sure things are all right. He got the fuse, lit the thing, went away. The firework didn't shoot up into the air as it was supposed to. It, it shot itself towards the ground and the ground didn't give way. So the biggest <laughs> firework we ever bought was supposed to go off very far away from us very high in the sky it went off yeah not so very far away from us in the field was it a good color at least was there a good explosion it was amazing it was so it was so good it was the only firework that my grandfather said oh that was good and his whole and whole time we ever did the fireworks with him he only just like he took care of the bonfire Watched the fireworks, never was impressed. This one time we all got nearly exploded. He was like, ah, yeah. That was a good one. That one was cool. So I think after that, I think fireworks are far away, just become a little less impressive. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a solid story in which to uh, bring the show, I was going to say to a close, no, to uh, to an open before we- Yeah, we're done now. Yeah, actually, that's the end of the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Seesaw Parade, episode 226. I'm Colin, and he is James- (laughs) Yeah, we're here to talk about fireworks and trauma. (laughs) Indeed, discussing our various non-firework-related trauma. No, that's another episode. Yeah. That comes, that comes, uh, cease operate after dark. Just just tune into my stream. (laughs) Yeah, or watch James on on Twitch, which you can do. It's very entertaining. I was painting my flat a couple weekends ago, and I just had, I had uh, Fair James on in the background, and it was great. I I tend to, actually, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't classify it as very interesting. It's just very, very chill. It's very normal. It's very chill, but it is interesting, and particularly if, if people know who you are. I guess. Although yes, you, you seem to have people who clearly do not know who you are, who but who have dis- discovered you in the magical world of the internet, uh-huh. and now they do know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a few of them as well. People that had no previous connections. And it's amazing. They, I guess they're trying to trying to find out about what what makes me annoyed, and they're trying to do it. And then I go, All right, it doesn't work. Go away. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. We have one real story dominating the headlines, as you will have guessed. And yeah. I will put in this caveat that if you're listening to this at any point <laughs> after this very time of recording, no, yeah, what we're yeah. talking about will likely be out of date. Yeah. If you're not currently like the FBI <laughs> listening in on the call. <laughs> yeah, to the FBI agent on my laptop, 
I hope you enjoy this. I hope I hope the live listeners enjoy it. Everybody else, sorry, you'll have more news than we do. Absolutely. Okay, James, shall we crack on? Yes. Okay, the US presidential election has happened. And James, lo and behold, my prediction that by the time we did this episode, we would have a new leader in the White House has not come to pass because they are still counting the votes. Still counting. Still counting. Despite the fact that uh, Donald Trump did tweet that he would like to stop the counts. And uh, other... In some places. Supporters were actually asking them to keep on counting. Count those votes. Yeah. We'll get to, to that in just a second. The latest headlines, and this is half past two on Friday, so you can work your way backwards from here. Joe Biden, the last hour or so, has taken the lead yeah. in Pennsylvania and in Georgia yeah. over Donald Trump. Trump had been leading up until this point. We'll get into the how, what, and why of the reasons for that. But Biden is now leading. And if Biden wins Pennsylvania, he would win the election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is uh, chasing these 20 electoral college votes in Pennsylvania. And uh, with 98% of the vote counted, he's leading by about 5,000 votes. Yes. He's got narrow leads here and there. Yeah. So the remaining states are the likes of Nevada, Arizona. North Carolina? And North Carolina, which Trump is leading in. And Biden, as you say, James, has slender leads in those ones. Let's go back to Tuesday because Ooh. that's when the election Ooh. actually happened. Yeah. And the initial predictions, which uh, we covered last week, was that <laughs> Biden was scheduled to win. He was going to make it a big old win, a blue wave sweeping over the nation. Trump only had like a 20% chance of victory. Ha <laughs> It's going to be so easy. But when I went to sleep on Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning... Probably, yeah, uh, I went about 1am, but then by the time I actually yeah, did yeah, go, yeah. it was 3. And at that point, yeah, same, yeah. the pollsters and bookmakers were saying that Trump had the best shot of winning because yeah. they were counting the on-the-day ballots first in the vast majority of states. Yeah, and it was it was, it was closer than they, they were predicting. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Some places, some states, I should say, called very early within the, a matter of hours and then everything sort of ground to a halt on Wednesday Oh yeah, where the battleground states where it looked like whoever won them was going to win the entire thing faced a variety of challenges. Se- several states said they weren't going to finish counting until Thursday or Friday. Yes. And then as the mail-in ballots started getting counted, Biden started to take the lead in various places. <laughs> yeah, which is somehow shocking. Even though Trump and his campaign have spent the last year telling his supporters not to mail in their ballots. Yes. So then when the mail-in ballots are overwhelmingly for Biden, everybody's just <laughs> so surprised somehow. <laughs> so Trump, as you've alluded to there, has spent the last year sowing complete disinformation and lies yeah, about yeah. mail-in ballots being terrible. Among other things. And even statistically... Democrats are more likely to send in mail-in ballots if you look at the previous elections. Yeah, yeah. And Republicans are more likely to vote on the day. Yeah. And so, in the early hours of Wednesday, Trump declared victory, but also said that the election was being stolen by the Democrats. (laughs) And Biden said, in a much more measured response, that he believed 
that he would win once all the votes were were tallied up. Yeah, after a couple of the states started to swing in his direction, he came back with a response of like, we believe we're going to win. Yeah. But only after the, they started swinging back towards him, because at one point it was looking like uh, he, Biden was only going to reach the 270 on the nose yep. if he managed to hold on to, I think it was Nevada and Arizona. And the rest weren't necessary. Let's start some some back and forth here because I've just been talking about a narrative for a long time. Right. Wednesday and Thursday, we saw a lot of legal challenges or the suggestion of legal challenges. And uh, various <laughs> ones of those have gone to the courts. Yeah, uh, yeah, the one yeah. in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia yesterday was thrown out because the judge, if you looked at the, the conversation in court, which was uh, very entertaining, the judge asked the Trump campaign lawyer if they had people in the courtroom, no, sorry, in the counting room, and the lawyer said, yes, we do. And the judge replied, well, what is your problem then? Yeah. And apparently it's because they're not standing close enough. Oh, right, yeah. So now they're allowed to stand six feet away from the people oh, counting. But James, okay. let me ask, and this is a very wide-ranging question. Did you, do you, or rather, did you expect the last few days to have gone the way they did? Uh, and added to that, what do you make of Trump's various legal... I don't want to say suggestions, legal challenges right. that he's decided to thrust on various states in which he's losing. Yeah. So even though we've spent the last ages moaning about how poorly the Democrats are doing on the campaign trail, and this is for for the presidential one, and this is for every every single member of House and stuff, they've been so boring and so uninspiring. Yeah. And even though we've been saying for I don't know how many weeks that, hey, Trump could win. You've been saying Trump will win very, very boldly. I've 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 mm-hmm. suggested that a twenty percent chance for Trump is basically a guaranteed victory. Um I still ended up surprised how close the election was or is. I agree. Somehow after prepping myself for four years for Trump just to win again because of reasons America and because the Democrats are so boring and they're not even inspiring centrists. They just say nothing. Um, I was still surprised after every state came in and it was it was like all the toss-ups were going towards Trump until now. And I just, I kind of decided very early on, like you did, I was like, well, I guess I'll go to sleep, wake up in the morning. And then I was still shocked in the morning. I was still shocked over the course of the day. Um, and, and I guess one of the more shocking things for me was that the Malins actually did turn things around in several places. Yeah, they did. Um, I, I can't say I, I was sure it would at any point until it started happening. And at that point, I was, I'm was i relieved. I'm relieved it's looking like Biden's going to win. I'm, I, I am ashamed um, for them. And I can't imagine what it feels like to be each, each member of the Democratic Party to be struggling so hard to defeat the most easily defeatable man ever. Trump is weak. Okay, there's there's... A couple points I'm going to take there that you've made. Right. The first one is that Biden is winning the popular vote by 4 million at this point, or certainly last time I checked. Oh, yeah, he yeah, had yeah, 4 yeah. million more votes than Trump. Yeah. I believe also because of the turnout, which was 66.9%, which actually isn't even that high, but no. high for a US election, Trump got about 67 million votes again last time I checked. 67 million. Mm-hmm. So let's just say, for the sake of including everybody in the US so we don't leave anybody out, that's about one in five. One in four people in the States voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. My 
the, the thing I struggle with, James, and I, I saw a lot of people struggling with the same thing, mainly blue tick verified people on Twitter, <laughs> was that how has America got to the stage that after four years of everything that's happened and everything that Trump has done and said and all the lies that he's come out with, as well as his reaction and response to the pandemic, yeah. how can 67 million people still vote for it? Right. And just before you answer that, let me add, I've had conversations with people, real people, who have said that if they were in the States, they also would have voted for Trump. Yeah. And not because of him as a person, but because of what the Republican Party stands for, as in pro-life, anti-same-sex marriage, <laughs> right. lesser, fewer taxes on the wealthiest in society, fewer yeah. immigrants, that sort of thing. So is there an argument for people saying, I don't know, I'd vote Trump because of the party he stands for, as opposed to let's judge how horrendous a person he has been in the last four years. I'd ask him to prove that that's what the party stands for. How many Republican presidents have we had since Roe v. Wade? We've had more Republican presidents than Dems. Yeah, right. Uh, and We've had our Republican president with Senate majority and um, with Supreme Court majority for four years. Um, what have they done about Roe v. Wade, gay marriage, all these things that apparently... Swing the vote for all of uh, these really nice Christian folks that just want to do what's right in the world. The Republican Party doesn't even stand for them. You're voting for somebody and a party in America and, again, any similar party whose only interest is making themselves and their friends more well-off Yep. and ceding a disadvantage for everybody else. Mike, just, just before you continue... That was the point I made, which was Republicans have talked about being pro-life or banning abortion for decades because it's what gets them votes. They can say, oh, look, the Democrats are going to make abortion legal up until nine months. You can eject the baby the day before. Look how terrible they are. And despite the fact that, as you say, they have had the power, they've had the resources and all the everything they need to do what they say and do what they've pledged in their campaigns. They never have. Yeah. Because it's a good campaign tactic. Yeah. Yeah. They want to keep those tools. They want to keep that as they want to keep the reputation of we're the anti these things party forever without actually getting rid of them. Yeah. Um, and then they can blame whoever comes into power next for the fact that it's still ongoing. Um, they don't intend to use their tools. They just intend to manipulate people. And this is why Trump has so much of the vote is because we're in a new era of earth wherein the thing that matters more than the truth is just somebody's version of truth, which is a lie. Yeah. Um, and it's clear that mainstream media is losing its uh, hold on truth yep. and is getting replaced by conspiracy groups and Facebook and it's getting replaced by uh, mass hysteria about this or that or the next thing that we see mostly in Trump-leaning candidates, but we also see uh, some and it's very little in comparison, um, loud voices telling complete lies on, on okay. the other side of the debate. J- just to add uh, some more information here, this was Trump's press conference he gave uh, early on Friday morning about the US election, in which the vast majority of uh, cable outlets in the States actually cut away from the speech because of what the president was saying. Yeah. So, for example, he said, and this is a quote, I've been talking about mail-in voting for a long time. It's really destroyed our system. It's a corrupt system, and it makes people corrupt. Of course... How did Trump vote? There is no evidence whatsoever that the system is corrupt. However, 
people will believe everything he says. And that's reflected in the fact that 67 million people voted for yeah. this guy and the election is as close as it is. Yeah. When people believe in something that's false for no reason, you can't convince them to believe in the opposite thing with reason. You just have to stop trying to let other people be convinced by the unreasonable. Um, but the fact is, Trump votes by mail. Pence voted by mail. Everybody <laughs> that wants to vote by, by mail is allowed to, so long as they're Trump and his friends. And then every other, everything that's against Trump is the is the fraud, and everything that's against Trump is illegal. Um, and it's just the standard individualist, right-leaning view. It's everything that goes for me is fine. Me and the people I matter, their prosperity is important. Everybody else is clearly out to get us. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a bad take, and it shouldn't be allowed to be platformed. Which is what I think some of the media are realizing is that yeah, the only way to speak against it is to stop the message going out. Yep. Just another point here. Trump's continued this. Uh, he continued in the press conference saying, "If you count the legal votes, I yeah, win." Legal, yeah. If- <laughs> If you count the illegal votes, they can try to steal the election from us. If you count the votes that came in late, uh, we're looking at them very strongly, but a lot of votes came in very late. So he is suggesting that counting postal votes, which arrive after election day, is illegal. Right. Which, again, is is not true. State by state. Late postal ballots can be counted in more than half of the US as long as they're postmarked by November 3rd, which was election day. Yeah, and and I bet that... um he wouldn't say the same about the military votes that usually arrive and get counted late. They're cut, yeah, they've got a two-week deadline after the election. Yeah, they tend to lean Republicans, so I bet he wouldn't say the same about those. Um, but it's it's the inconsistency. We've, we've covered it. Uh, people of a certain viewpoint on the world need to believe that everybody's out to get them and that they do not have privilege and that they do not have power and that they are still the little guy. They're still just like shouting from the corner and going unheard. And Trump being in power for four years with everything he needs to do to enact major change has only made the country and the world worse off Yep. with some minor victories for peace here and there. And yet he still is acting like he's not the establishment, that he's not the swamp, that he's not the fraud and the corrupt and all the rest. So, so James, just because we could talk about this for the entire episode i'd rather avoid that yeah 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 well how do you see this playing out over the next few days next week for example before we start predicting the next two months because inauguration day is in january and i suspect and i'll just sum up my feelings in a sentence trump's not going to go quietly i don't see him conceding at all no and what i believe needs to happen is more republicans need to come out and say This is not how democracy works. This is not what the United States of America stands for. If you see, for example, John McCain's concessionary speech in 2008, when people start booing the fact that Barack Obama won, he he essentially tells them to be quiet. Yeah, because and he and he gives this great speech and says, you know, we're going to work together and we're going to do what we can to make this the best country in the world. And when you look back, it is a it's a totally different world from the as you say the the earth we now inhabit. Yeah. And this is just going to get messier. Yeah. Well, former presidents that have lost after their first term have <laughs> have had to hand over the power that they could have had, and they've done so with grace, I guess. Um, Trump, unlike every other transition of power will make it as difficult as he can. We're going to see recounts in any state. 
that a recount is allowed in, which in some states, if there's less than 1% of a, a gap in the overall tally, then they Trump or whoever could ask for a recount. So I think Wisconsin falls into that category. Yeah. Uh, and if if Biden takes Georgia or Pennsylvania, it's unlikely that he's going to get more than the, the 1% margin. Yep. But you never know. Um, so we're going to see recounts. We're going to see uh, lawsuits. We're going to see it. Trump will do his very best to try and get the result of this election taken up to the Supreme Court, which he hopes he has stacked. Um, with people who are willing to do what Trump and co want rather than what Constitution wants. Um, he might not be able to get things to go that high, but he will try to. And it's going yeah. to be messy. We're going to see the, the least gracious transition of power in, in American history. Uh, well, presidential power, that is. But he's also not going to go away. That's that's the, the key thing here. He's not just going to as previous presidents have done, essentially shuffle off into the the shadows and then every yeah, and so often... a word or two. Yeah. yeah, every so often just pipe up with a, a key speech or to yeah. congratulate somebody in a very public manner. He's not going to do that. No, but we are seeing uh, eagerness from several companies to de-platform him. Twitter is saying that, hey, we're going to have to delete his account because he's breached <laughs> so many rules. Yep. Uh, we've got his own bank saying that they are looking to to cut ties of him uh, after he's not president anymore. Uh-huh. And and yeah, it's a lot of people and a lot of the Republicans do the same thing. We're going to see a lot of uh, people and businesses and, and co trying to switch sides and pretend they were against Trump all along or pretend that they think Trump is outrageous, but they took advantage of as much time as they possibly could. So not just it's not just Trump that's going to disappear. Uh no, it's not just Trump that's going to not disappear. We're going to see a lot of fakery around people pretending that they helped get rid of Trump or that yep. they stood up to Trump regularly, where very rarely did any of them stand up to Trump in a significant way. Even those that voted against him in the Senate, they were only doing it because they had a guaranteed victory and it could go on their record that they voted against him. Um, and we, we, we can't have this forgiveness for Trump and everybody else who has broken innumerable rules and as far as anybody is concerned, probably treasonous stuff. However, Biden and co, they will be spineless and they will forgive. They will not prosecute. They will say, we've got to move past this for the sake of America. But don't you think that's the best thing to do? No. Why not? Because you've got to show that corruption gets punished. Otherwise, the next Trump comes along and wins again. But do you see how that would embolden the Trump supporters and the Republicans who will say this is, a, to use a Trumpism, a witch hunt, which was unnecessary against a, a former president who did this and that and the next thing over the last four years? It doesn't matter because we've proven that decency leads to Trump. Decency leads to fascism. Decency leads point. to the deterioration of this. If, if it's proven that decency doesn't work, it's time to switch the game and try prosecution. Do you think the Republicans <laughs> will take this opportunity to reshape the party, to no. essentially try to reforge it in a different image that isn't after Trump? No, the Republicans are going to remain the hard right that they are. Um they're going to try and find the next Trump because they know that that's the only way to get the vote. Um, yep. Trump managed to do it. Um, they they can't do it any other way anymore. They will lose the Trump end of the party if they do. Um, now, the only way for the Republicans to move away from this hard right is for the Democrats to move away from being the soft right. If the Democrats go back to like soft left, center left, the Republicans have a chance to shift back towards the global center. But currently, 
the center of, in, in terms of American politics is very much halfway, halfway right. So I don't think the Democrats are going to change because to, to go any further away from where they are is going to lose some of the vote. Yeah. And because they're not brave enough to do something revolutionary, they're just going to remain the same, which means the Republicans are going to remain the same. And we're going to see this continuous snail-paced transition from a normal country to right-wing country to extreme right-wing country because nobody's got a spine. One final point before we, before we wrap up is about Twitter. You, you mentioned... Uh, James, that the website have said that after Trump is no longer president, he'll be treated like any other Twitter user. They do actually have rules in place yeah. for world leaders that they can essentially, eh, to an extent, as we've seen in the last few weeks, say what they want. Yeah. Because the, the platform believes that these leaders need to get their message out there uh, without a filter. Yeah. As well, we saw, they get fact checked, but not banned. Yeah. As we've seen over the last few days countless, I want to say hundreds of tweets from Trump and from his campaign team and from his own <laughs> sons have been essentially censored by Twitter. You have to click a couple of times through a warning uh, and they've also attached disclaimers to various other tweets because of what's contained within them. Do you feel that has made the situation worse or that they've done the right thing in essentially censoring what the Trump campaign were saying? I, I don't agree with this being censorship at all. Um, people are calling it censorship. A bunch of right-leaning folks are crying about it and whatnot, yeah. which is kind of funny since I think Trump Jr.'s campaign slogan was make the libs cry again or something. <laughs> so it's fun to see them all cry about having to click a couple of times to see mm -hmm. what you're saying on Twitter. They are still giving it a platform. I don't think they should be giving it a platform. I think... Uh, private companies in the current world are free to do whatever they want, post whatever they want, and delete whatever they want. Um, it's it's gracious of them to be allowing the platform to exist to the degree that they are. And I've seen a whole bunch of people complaining as though it is censorship, but it is just yep. a little rebalancing at best. Uh, I do I maybe the best forms of social media are censorship free, uh, but if the rules say hey, don't be telling massive lies or whatever then twitter has to uphold its rules uh, fairly across the board uh, the other the other major loss for the world is uh, that bannon's had his twitter deleted he has after he called for the beheading of anthony fauci and somebody else yeah yeah beheadings it, it, it it's surprising somehow for people to find out that right-wingers uh, are extremists and when the right-wingers are extremists they sound a lot like right-wing Muslim extremists, for example. Correct. Um, I don't understand how this is surprising that somebody whose career relies on uh, pushing things further and further right to try and get more followers eventually is calling for deaths. Uh, I think he was talking about putting heads on pikes outside of the White House. That, yes, as a, um, to serve as a warning. And and I, I don't see the satire in that. I don't see the irony. Um, we have reached that point. And it, it, we're proving that this tolerance, having tolerance for these uh, disgusting views and al allowing them to have a mass platform doesn't make people like f believe they're false. It doesn't, it doesn't make us all stronger against them. It just makes them spread harder. Platforming bad views does not make the bad view go away. So the only thing that's proven to work is deplatforming and that very rarely happens. Um, but it works.
we don't hear from Ian and all we don't hear from Milo anymore. And I can't pronounce his surname right now. I guess um, amongst many others, we won't hear from Bannon uh, to the same degree. I hope I hope that when Trump is not president, which I hope is soon, he does get deplatformed. <laughs> I hope he does get prosecuted. I hope he gets everything that's coming his way. The only chance we get for any of that is for him to not be president. So I hope this doesn't go to the Supreme Court and I hope the Supreme Court isn't stacked. Okay, James, let's move on to something lighter, shall we? And talk about what we've been watching over the last Ah. seven days other than Twitter feeds and the BBC News website. I have been refreshing BBC more than ever before. And knowing that nothing is going to be changing. Yep, completely agree. So, James, what have you been watching? Uh, Well, as I think I mentioned, I finished Umbrella Academy Season 2 pretty recently. And I am now free to talk about it. Right, I want to hear from you first. I've seen a movie, but I'll save that because I want to hear what you thought of this. I reviewed this a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was generally positive about it. Yeah. So, first thing that's important is if you enjoyed Season 1, you're definitely going to enjoy season two because they improved some things that were already good and they learned from a few of their mistakes not all of their mistakes yeah um because sometimes they are still a bit too on the nose with reveals and stuff the plot twists aren't really plot twists but they're treated as though they're worth this big cinematic moment um and there's some gags and some moments and some set pieces that just hang on a little bit too long. And in the, in the major positive side, I will say that I was surprised as to how well it displayed the prejudice that it deals with as a part of this season. Okay. It deals with some prejudices and and I thought they would be really cliche about it and they were only like semi-cliche about it, presented quite realistically. Um, for the most part I've seen some people say that they didn't like the fact that the family was all split apart and had their own little storylines but I thought they balanced those mostly well progressed them all at a good pace and stuff like that yeah that's fair most most of the family reunions uh, were earned in a way that added to the story Um, and the season ending and a lot of the background plot of the season uh, gives us something to look forward to in terms of implying there is more story coming this isn't done did you i know i had a problem with the way the series ended right what did you think um well the the overall i think there was good and bad okay i think uh, ben the character um i i loved that he got way more screen time in this season and his interactions with uh which, whatchamacallit, Klaus. Robert Sheehan's character. Yeah, those two have a real good chemistry. I enjoyed Ben's story arc. I enjoyed seeing uh, the history of it and then the resolution and then the potential undoing, I guess, at the end. Um, I, I thought maybe we'd get more involved with the storylines of the, you know, the dad, but there wasn't much of that. And then that's the grand reveal at the end is that, hey, dad story coming up soon i was like oh maybe we'd have been more excited if we explored a little bit more of that character uh, if we added a, another dimension to him for example which they tried to do but it was it was weak um 
one of the weakest parts of the ending, I think you alluded to in your review, they just do a fart joke for like two whole episodes. <laughs> yes, they do. There's, like, I, I can't believe how much fart joke there was in a modern series. Sorry, to me, it was completely unnecessary and just, it took me out of it. I really did, just at the very end, at the, the kind of crucial point, I thought, you're really resorting to fart jokes for two episodes. Come on. Yeah, didn't I didn't enjoy that aspect of it, but I think for a show that had so many characters and storylines and even the B characters were getting uh, moments entirely to themselves, uh-huh. we, we had crazy d- dictator lady back in, which is a bit, a bit of a weak decision, but they earned it, and then her writing herself out by being overly manipulative, was well handled. Lots of different family dynamics um, between the new characters are are well handled. I think for a show that had so many people, they did well to give everybody <laughs> development and moments. Okay. And then the fart jokes happened. And I was like... <laughs> so you'd watch a season three though? I still would want to watch season three. I hope season three is even better than season two. But if you didn't enjoy season one, season two is a 50-50. Okay, fair enough. Right, I'll tell you about what I've been watching this week. I saw a movie called The Peanut Butter Falcon. Ah! Which was actually recommended to me a few weeks ago by ML. It has been on my list for a while. This is uh, an indie which came out last year. It stars Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, Bruce Dern, John Hawks, John Bernthal, Thomas Hayden Church... And uh, introducing Zach Gottsagen. Yeah. So this came out at uh, South by Southwest in 2019. It's now on Netflix, if you want to check it out. I uh, did some reading into it. Turns out it was the highest grossing independent film of last year in the States. Yeah, they and did real good marketing stuff for it. Shia and Zach actually presented an Oscar for Best animation shorts in February. So this film, uh, The Peanut Butter Falcon, tells the story of Zach, who who has Down syndrome. Yes. And he escapes his nursing home and befriends a fisherman on the run, who is Shia. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, they're being tracked down by Zach's support worker and uh, Shia's fisherman enemies are also after him. Zach's desperately trying to reach a wrestling school, Mm -hmm. which is where his hero, Thomas Hayden Church, uh, is a wrestler. So this film is Probably the loveliest thing I've seen all year. Hey. It has heart, it's funny, it's uplifting, and genuinely it has two brilliant lead performances. Shia LaBeouf. I know he does not get enough credit. He is a phenomenal actor. Yeah, when he, He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, when he's not going for the money, yeah. I, I know that another film on my list, which is uh, another one from 2019, is called Honey Boy. And it's Shia's film... Oh, of yeah, his own yeah, childhood yeah, and how his father essentially manipulated and abused him. And when when I was reading into uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, got lost in the, the wormhole and uh, Honey Boy is definitely on my list because it was being compared, his performance in this was being compared to his career best, which happens to be this Honey Boy film. Right, so no, stay tuned, I may watch that soon. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, he's doing that thing that quite a lot of young or young stars do, wherein they they do their their big films, their big franchises. Um, they kind of disappear a wee bit, maybe do some artsy stage stuff, uh, or they do some controversial stuff, and then they come back yep. in and they just deliver great films for oh, a while. Yeah. And we've been seeing that in a fair few people, and it has been good that Shia's been doing that alongside some of his other stranger decisions. 
I, I believe for, for Shia, he was doing the Transformer movies. He started with the Michael Bay Transformer movies at age 21. Yeah, having already and, done TV. Oh, yeah, for, for the best part of a decade, yeah. if not longer. And so eventually, and as I believe Honey Boy portrays, you're going to have some sort of breakdown. Yeah. Because of the pressure, the fame, the everything that comes along with being a Hollywood star. Oh, a completely abnormal childhood that the human mind is not evolved to deal with yes which which is then as you say he had a bit of a, a he made some strange career decisions in terms of his arts in terms of the things he was doing yeah. on screen or yeah. rather captured on twitter and spread over social media yeah but also some of that stuff was really artsy so it's like really weird it was it was great but anyway he is uh he's a damn good actor and he i'm sure will be getting more recognition as he continues to make these films. Uh, Zach Gottsangen is also great. This may well have been his first movie. It's certainly his first as a lead. And I I really hope that this is a turning point in terms of casting more disabled actors. Because he's brilliant. Yeah. He's absolutely brilliant. And he has more comedic timing than hundreds of other Hollywood actors I've ever seen. Yeah. It does tell a somewhat uh, predictable story, but honestly, it did give me uh, it did give me a, a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. And it is truly delightful. So if you want to spend a nice hour 30 minutes with just a really uplifting film, then Peanut Butter Falcon is for you. Excellent. So thank you for the recommendation, Amel. Wonderful. If you, dear listener, have seen or watched anything, please do get in touch. We would love to hear your review. We've had some over the last few months, but we could do with some more. So, James, tell all your friends. <laughs> hey, friends. Uh, give us reviews of your films and stuff that you've watched. Maybe even books and stuff like that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, friends. James, the other, uh, other entertainment news this week was that Sean Connery died yeah. after living a long time. I think he was 90. <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember how old he was. 90? But he was old. I think he was 90, or thereabouts. The the tributes were coming in. It's a difficult one for me to make any comment on because I have never actually seen, Wait. to my knowledge, Wait. a Sean Connery film. I've never what? seen a Sean Connery Bond. I've seen bits of it. Never seen a, I've never sat down and watched a full Sean Connery Bond. None of his other stuff, too? I mean, maybe. Where he's like quite often trying to portray foreign, foreign characters, but he's just got a weird Scottish accent. As I say, maybe I have. Maybe. Some late night sh- film on Channel 4 in the early 2000s? Probably. Yeah. But nothing I can really remember. And I'll be honest, I don't think he was really known for his uh, acting prowess. Obviously, James Bond is where he made his no, name. No, no. He is the Bond, for sure. But I don't think... He wasn't known for his uh, his acting chops, no. And he did retire pretty pretty early. He retired mid-1990s mid after he... Uh, passed up on The Matrix, passed up on Lord yep. of the Rings, and then did uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, and then that failed, and he was like, I'm out. I'm done. I give up. I don't get it. Because he didn't get it. He didn't un- he, he, he didn't want The Matrix. He, he didn't understand it, and then it was successful. And he didn't understand The Lord of the Rings, and then that was successful. And he didn't understand The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but he was like, hmm. Should probably do it. I see a pattern developing. I'll do it. And then it wasn't really a pattern at all. Um, so yeah, he hasn't been doing very much in uh, our actual lifespans uh, but yeah well known global a global name mainly because of his bond stuff he lived a long life it's sad to see someone someone's life come to an end at any point but he did well 90 i that's that's like that's a pretty solid age well done oh yeah 
Okay, James, let's finish up with some news in brief. And of course, we have to mention COVID. Uh, We actually saw that the US has hit a new daily record of infections. 120,000 people were infected on or recorded infections on Wednesday. And I'm sure that's only going to increase due to the amount of people who are out and about for the elections. And uh, James, this issue is just getting worse in the States. Yeah, and unsurprisingly, all point, all signs are pointing to now that we've got an election to base things off. The places that are most voting for Trump are the places that are seeing the biggest infection rates. Yeah, for the most part, um, this their their anti mask campaign, even though they have kind of tried to end it, ha- is still taking lives. There is still this massive failure, um, in leadership that is apparently going unpunished. Really, um, it's it's scary how big the numbers are getting. But then it's also scary how big our numbers are getting. They're probably comparable for population sizes. I believe they are lower here, but only just. Scotland recorded over 1,000 new cases on Friday, 32 additional deaths, and I believe close to 100 people are in intensive care. We've now been almost a week of these new five-tier restrictions, but MPs in Westminster voted earlier this week to have their four-week lockdown uh, to combat the coronavirus. Ah, yeah, we were trying to trying to call if they would do that or not. Um, we said they'd missed the bus for the two-week window. They apparently agreed because they've gone for at least four weeks. They have. Um, so sorry, we cursed you by being by being aware. The government won by five hundred sixteen votes to thirty-nine. Thirty-nine were um, conservative rebels. Um, rebels. Yes, they did. Were rebelling because. You can't close the churches. Who cares about the starving kids, but just don't close the churches. Yeah, well, rebels also warned it could wreck businesses too. Yeah, oh man, don't just think about those poor starving businesses. But let's just vote to not give kids food instead. Yes, that's a... I, I don't know. Like, I, like sure, there, there, are, there are reasons to not want lockdowns. Uh, lockdowns are a final measure, last resort. Um, always worth arguing against, but my goodness... I can't believe that it's the same people that are voting to take school meals away. The the arguments that, that came off the back of the House of Commons voting for the English lockdown was about the furlough scheme. But if, because, of course, it was then confirmed that if you were in England, you would, uh, yeah, you would continue yeah, to get yeah. the furlough scheme. And only after being pressed on it did Rishi Sunak confirm that actually, yes, it was applicable. Sorry, Boris Johnson confirmed it was applicable to all the home nations. And aye, aye. Even though some have been asking for confirm- uh, uh, confirmation of prolonging for a fair while Yes, now. indeed they had. And then on Thursday, Rishi Sunak came out to say that actually furlough is being extended until March 31st. Took their time about it, but yeah. it has been extended by yeah. an extra five months. And again, that is applicable to all the home nations. James, do you, do you foresee, first of all, that Scotland will follow suit and go into a full lockdown? It might not be needed if this five-tier system works. It looks like things have plateaued at least yep. and potentially still to continue to go down as different areas are at different levels of restriction. Um, so we could see ourselves not doing a nationwide lockdown, but continuing with more local lockdowns. So I, I, I doubt that we're going to have a Wales situation wherein like, we're asking, hey, are we going to have the furlough scheme if we do a lockdown again? And then the government's like, eh. We'll see. Um, but it would have been nice if the... Or it would have been nice. It would have been uh, the right thing to do to have all the nations know 
that an extension would be available yeah. if needed. Um, and it's not just the nations themselves. England's got this divide where the North got pushed into lockdowns. It offered very little support, no guarantees of um, furlough extensions and stuff like that. And But it's as soon as the South, uh, it seems, was going into lockdown that all of a sudden we're making all the decisions. So there's been a lot of uh, complaint about the lack of commitment to helping everywhere but uh, you know the, the the usual high density population south of England. I don't think it makes sense for Scotland to go into lockdown again because, as no. we've discussed, the the levels that are at level one, which is currently the lowest level you can be at in this country, yeah, is the likes of the Western Isles and the Highlands and Orkney yeah, the, and Murray and all these places where the infection levels are so low that lockdown seems completely unnecessary. You know, yeah. in those parts of the world, life is as normal as it has been since March. So I don't understand why yeah, you would... say from a lack of tourist travel. Indeed. I, I don't understand why you would then want to essentially say to these places, I know that things are bad in the central belt, but yeah. we're just going to lock down everything anyway. That yeah. to me doesn't make any yeah. sense. So I would certainly hope that we, we continue it, yeah. with the five-tier system because as you say, numbers are plateauing by the looks of things and the only suggestion that they were going to have another lockdown was due to furlough reasons. And of course, now that's been extended to March. Yeah. So it, it seems like it would be pretty unreasonable to to do a national lockdown when we've got implemented now, after a long time, way too late, but we finally have implemented a, a way to lock down specific hotspots. Um, and quite a lot of these, these regions that would be locked down are super remote. It would be very easy to police... Uh, travel and such things within Scotland um, but it's just the usual the UK isn't supporting its uh, uh, nations enough uh, and everybody's slow the, the fact that we're only getting the five tier system recently, that's ridiculous the fact that yeah. um, even though they were told in England that a lockdown would have mattered in September, the fact that they're doing it in November <laughs> is crazy um, but it's all so that we can maybe have normal Christmases, at least for shopping for stuff. Indeed. Hooray for that. Yeah. Okay, James, a couple more stories. Move, or, move over to Russia, because uh, lawmakers there have submitted legislation yeah. that would grant former presidents lifetime immunity from criminal yeah. prosecution. This uh, uh-huh. was under uh, constitutional reform by none other than President Putin. Yes, uh, so yes, under yes. current laws, presidents can't be held criminally or administratively liable for crimes committed while serving. But this new parliamentary working group would say that actually we're going to extend this so it's a lifetime immunity after they leave office. James, this is absolutely yeah. bonkers, but it does not surprise me. <laughs> no, it's not surprising. Um, there is rumours, but mostly from uh, not very trustworthy sources that Putin's looking to step down pretty soon. Yeah, I saw that. Um the likelihood is that he's going to want a Senate position because former presidents automatically get one of those. So if it's only presidents that are covered by lack of, lack of prophecy, no, by uh, immunity, then it makes sense that if he wants to go to Senate and continue doing shady business, he needs lifetime <laughs> uh, immunity. Um, the, the only reasonable thing is that much like anywhere else in the world, this immunity isn't guaranteed. And if two thirds of the Senate 
uh, or wanted to allow prosecution, then it would happen. But when the Senate is as stacked as it is in Russia, of course, it's pretty much a guarantee. I mean, if it feels like it isn't actually making a difference because when or who was actually going to prosecute Putin ever? As it stood. Oh, yeah. It, it's just now somehow even harder, even though it seemed impossible already. Okay, James, one final story. Right. And this is the news that Danish authorities have decided to cull its 17 million population of mink. Wow. After the coronavirus mutated and then spread back to humans. Yes. Prime Minister Meta Frederiksen uh, said that this was the only way of potentially lowering the efficacy of future vaccines. Yes. And that he has a greater responsibility towards his human population. Yeah. James, thoughts on this? Well, pretty good of them. They that's The mink trade, I believe, in Denmark is about 1% of the GDP, so they are pretty directly sacrificing their prosperity for the sake of, as they say, yeah. the world. And it's not they're not just thinking about themselves here, because yes, uh, a mutated spread of coronavirus, even localized, is terrifying, but this a mutated uh, version of the virus could actually be resistant to all sorts of treatments, all sorts of vaccines. So they are taking a hit for the sake of us all, but it's not just Denmark. I believe the Netherlands also, who have a less significant... Uh, trade and mink are also calling theirs and whoever i think it's generally a thing that's happening now is the poor poor mink uh because one of them managed to mutate a virus are all being uh called uh, it's a shame when these things happen uh, but it was a known factor that mink were a species that could get coronavirus so they were being monitored closely um i hope that the mutation does not spread <laughs> and it goes away because we've been told from day one that the scariest thing that could happen would be a coronavirus mutation and here it is <laughs> it just it feels like small news somehow because the world because it's years been so so big yeah, yes you're right in that this is big news but other bigger news stories have taken precedence so Ooh. as long as they manage to contain it to copenhagen yeah great yeah then they ha- they do seem to have tracked it, so yeah. Okay, James, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you very much for your time, and thank you for those of you who are still listening. You can get in touch with Seesaw Parade if you have anything to say about the points our ill-informed brains have come up with. You can do so <laughs> on Twitter at Seesaw Parade, or you can send abuse directly to myself and James. Maybe Twitter will censor you for yeah, it. You can do it. You can you can you can annoy me live. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Every most most days of the week. It's great. Well, James, thank you very much. Yeah. And we'll see you with hopefully a new president next week. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Good. <laughs> Could okay. happen. Bye. Bye. <laughs>